0: you can turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll be there for part of the time and other places as well this morning, but we'll be starting there. If you are a member of this church, a part of this church, you realize how exciting this day is for this church. Now, we have nine believers this morning who are coming to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, obedient to God in the command they've given to him. And the Bible teaches us this. The Bible teaches us that the first step of obedience after a person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior is to be baptized by immersion. And although a believer can grow in the Lord without being baptized, uh, that growth can't take uh, total place. It can't take the full place until the command to be baptized is followed. And then once that occurs, once that act of obedience is followed, then God can begin to bless our Christian lives and use us the way he wants to. So what the, the principle is this. Uh, that principle of obedience is active before salvation, after salvation, and all through the Christian life. Obedience is a principle we must follow no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we are in our relationship with the Lord. Obedience is the only way to gain God's salvation. It's the only true way to live a life of full honor to God. And it's the only way to receive God's full blessing upon our lives. So this morning, what I want to do in the brief time we have for the message today, I say brief, probably won't be as brief as you expect. However, we want to look at this principle of obedience, this principle of obedience. And as we look at this principle of obedience, and then we see these set nine believers uh, follow the Lord in believers baptism in obedience. I hope that a couple of things will happen today. First of all, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be your savior, you'll be obedient to what he's called you to do and make that decision today. If you are a believer, I hope that you'll recommit yourself to being fully obedient to whatever it is that God has called you to do. You'll commit yourself fully to being obedient to the commands that God has given to us found in the word of God. Now, how does the dictionary define obedience? It defines obedience as the act or practice of obeying an authority. We get the picture uh, of obedience when we consider the relationship between a child and a parent. Obedience is shown when a parent tells a child to do something and the child does it. Now, I realize that rarely happens, but that's the principle of obedience. That's how it's supposed to go. It usually doesn't happen that quickly at at any means, even if it does happen. Now, that's not the biblical picture of obedience. The biblical picture of obedience is something quite different. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you may be here with no real idea of where you're going to go after you die. Here's how the principle of obedience applies to you. A second Thessalonians chapter one and verse 12 says this in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us this thing that we call the gospel, and that gospel is something to be obeyed. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. You may hear other things out there. That's the biblical idea of the gospel. God had his son crucified on a cross to pay for our sin. God raised his son from the dead, raised his son from the grave, so that sin and death might be defeated, and he might show that defeat in that resurrection. God did that. Jesus Christ did that for every person who person who has ever been born, every person here today, every person. He did that for you this morning. Jesus Christ paid the price of your sin on the cross. So you would not have to pay that price yourself. Those are the facts. And those facts are all true. But they do nothing for a person if they choose not to accept it or believe it in order for a person to have their sin taken care of, have their sin paid for. They must obey the requirements of the gospel. What are the requirements? A person must recognize that they're a sinner, that they have violated God's standard of righteousness. They must confess that sin to God and acknowledge it. And then they must believe that God, what God did through His Son, they must accept the payment that Jesus Christ made upon that cross as the payment for their sins. And when they do that, a person obeys the Gospel at that point, and in that obedience, sin is settled, and salvation is obtained, and heaven is secured. And that's all it takes. That's it. That's it. Obey the gospel. It all comes through obedience. Now, if you have never done that, we're going to give you the opportunity before the service is over to make that choice and obey God in obeying the gospel. Now, when we think about obedience, God looks at two aspects of obedience. He focuses on the why of obedience and he focuses on the when of obedience. A lost person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior to have sin forgiven and to live a life in fellowship with God. That's the why. That's why a person trusts Christ. That's why I trusted Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And secondly, a person trusts Jesus Christ as soon as they realize they need to. As soon as they hear the gospel, they respond to it by obeying because if they wait, they might miss the opportunity. They should do it today if they've never done it because tomorrow may be too late. And that is the when of obedience to the gospel. So the answer to those two questions for a lost person is very simple. Why? Because Jesus Christ provides salvation if you do it. When? As soon as you hear about it, trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Now, for a believer, uh, God doesn't look just at the act of obedience. God looks at two other things. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior this morning, there's two other things God looks at. God looks at your motivation in your obedience, and God looks at the time frame surrounding your obedience. I'll take you back to the parent-child again. I tell my child to do something, and he or she does it, but they do it grudgingly. They do it with an attitude. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They stomp their feet or slam their door. They do it, but they do it with this attitude that goes along with it. Or they do it, but they say, wait a minute. Or they say, just a second. Or they say, I'll get to it. They wait to do it. They do it, but they wait later than what I ask them for uh, To when they, when they uh, respond in obedience. They do it on their schedule, in their time frame, when they're ready. Now, we may look at that situation and say, well, at least the child was obedient. That's not how God looks at it. That's not how God sees it. God doesn't look just at the act. God also looks at the motive and the response time. And both of those things affect affect if God sees a believer as truly obedient or not. God wants every believer in this room to obey, but he wants you to obey not grudgingly, not out of fear, not simply because you have to. God wants you to obey him because you love him. That's why he wants you to obey. God wants you to obey him because you recognize all that he's done for you and you realize that no matter what he asks, it could never exceed what he's already done just in the love he's already shown to you through Jesus Christ. And so they obey to return that same love back to him. And they obey the best they can. That is the why of the believer's obedience. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior this morning, that's the why of your obedience. But also, God wants you to obey the moment they ask you to do something. God wants you to respond immediately. Immediately. You see, God always has the perfect plan. God always reveals his will to a believer. And he does that at just the right time. And at that moment, that plan needs to be acted upon. That answers the when of obedience. When do we obey? We obey immediately. As soon as we know what God wants us to do, we obey. So you see, saved or lost, obedience cannot be, God, wait a minute. God, I'll get to you. God, I'll get back to you on that. It can't be that. Uh, To obey God, it must be, yes, sir, immediately, and obey what God has told you to do. Lost or saved, do what he's told you to do. And if a believer is slack on the why or the when of their obedience, they may follow through on what God has commanded them to do, but they've not been fully obedient. Now, the Bible teaches this. The Bible teaches that for a believer, obedience begins in the preparation. Obedience begins in the preparation. The Bible tells me that a believer will be obedient to God's commands only if they have first prepared themselves to be obedient before the command ever comes. And I've got a clear example of that this morning in the life of David. We can look at David's entire life this morning. We're not going to do that. But if you read through the books of First and Second Samuel, you can't help but be struck by the fact that David was obedient. In almost every case, David obeyed God's will and David obeyed God's plan. When God spoke, David uh, obeyed just like he was supposed to. God gave principles. David abided by those principles. And the greatest example I can give you here is in First Samuel chapter 17. If you know the Bible or you've been to Sunday school, you know the story well. Israel is faced with a great champion of the Philistines, a giant by the name of Goliath. And no soldier on the Israelite army will stand against him. They are willing to admit defeat rather than fight that giant and do what's right. And here David the shepherd shows up, and he assesses the situation. Go back to 1 Samuel 17 and look at verse 26 again. He says... For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should obey, defy the armies of the living God? Drop down to verse 29. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Here's what David did. David looked beyond the obstacle and saw the principle. He looked beyond the obstacle and saw the principle. Israel was not being challenged that day. God was being challenged that day. <laughs> It was a challenge to God. And so David, true to God's command, acted without a second thought. He obeyed and did what all those who were there that day should have done. He did what, he should, what, what they should have done. He stood for God, and he stood for God's enemy. And they gained the victory that day. You know that David killed that giant with one rock in his head, and down he went. And that was David's obedience acted out. But I want you to see the preparation, if you would. You're in chapter 17. Go up a few verses to verse 15. First, Samuel, chapter 17 and verse 15. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. Do you see the preparation there? David was asked by his father to run an errand. His father said, hey, I've got some food I want you to take to your brothers. I know they're at the battle. Uh, Take this food to them uh, as they face that giant Goliath. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Very run-of-the-mill activity. But notice David's response. He gets up in verse 20 and he rises up early in the morning, no less, and leaves the sheep and takes and goes as Jesse had commanded him. Not, yes, dad, I'll do it when I can. Yes, dad, I'll do it after I got to get a few more things done. Not at all. David rose up early in the morning and did exactly what his father asked him to do. Not whining, not protesting, not putting it off. He went with the right attitude and he went immediately. And so when he arrives at the camp and sees the situation, all he does is respond in the exact same way. He's just obeying a different father now, not his earthly father, but his heavenly father. He responds in the same way that he did when his dad asked him to deliver that food. And he does it because God commands it, and he does it immediately. And I want you to notice, we're not going to read the story, but you know the story well. David obeys, and that giant falls, and there's victory after the obedience. Get a hold of that if you would, folks. There's victory after obedience. There is no victory before obedience. You must obey first, and then God will bless, and God will bring the victory. Don't expect victory if you choose not to be obedient to what God has commanded you to do. When a lost person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, and that salvation is given, the rejoicing and victory over sin results from the obedience of obeying the gospel. That's why there's victory. That's why there's rejoicing. The Bible tells us after a person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, there's rejoicing in heaven. The angels rejoice when a person trusts Jesus Christ. That comes because of that person's obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So believer, the same thing applies. If you want victory, if you want rejoicing, if you want to do a great work for God, if you want the rejoicing that comes from delivering the giants that no one else will even consider confronting, it starts and ends with obedience you got to listen to God and obey what he tells you to do. In the midst of the work, in the midst of whatever God calls us to, it is all about obedience. And I will say it to you again to make sure you've heard it. No person in this room can expect any victory over anything without being obedient to what God tells you. There will be no joy in your life until you find yourself obedient to what God has called you to do. If your life seems to be a struggle, if there seems to be no peace and no joy in your life, Saved or lost, the first place to check is your obedience. How obedient are you being to what God has called you to do? Have you done what God has commanded? There is no rejoicing, and there is no victory without obedience, and there is no obedience without preparation. Let me share another example of this. Go to the book of Philippians, if you would. Go to your New Testament, Philippians chapter 2. And if you're a Bible student, these verses are very familiar to you, some of the greatest verses in the Scripture, I believe. Philippians chapter 2, and when you get there, look at verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. This is an example of obedience, but it had a much more profound effect on the world than David's slaying of a giant, as great as that thing was. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Do you see the word there? He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ faced a great challenge. Jesus Christ was called to do a great work. And the work that he was called to do had an infinitely greater impact on this world than anything that David accomplished. Jesus Christ, in the work that He was called to do, uh, provided salvation to every person here today. every person listening today, salvation is provided to all of you. Every person on earth who has ever lived or whoever will live, has the opportunity to restore fellowship with Father. And that comes through forgiveness of sin because of the work that Jesus Christ did. And notice that that work was done through obedience obedience and notice the kind of obedience that jesus christ displayed he displayed with the right attitude jesus christ the son of god took on the form of a servant now that is incomprehensible to me i can't begin to even try to explain that to you all i know is that when jesus christ came to this earth he took off the robes of royalty and put on work clothes and became a servant became a servant. Jesus Christ showed obedience in the attitude he had as he came to this earth. Listen to me. Jesus Christ came to be a servant to this sinful creation. Those folks who mocked him and scoffed at him and cursed him and later hung him on a cross, he came to be a servant to them. Think about that attitude. The attitude of obedience Jesus Christ showed as he did that. The creator of the universe became a servant to the likes of you and me. Remarkable, amazing, unexplainable. And he did it without complaint, without protest. He submitted to the Father's plan. He knew the why of salvation. He knew the why of his obedience was to provide salvation to all people. And so he obeyed because of that why. And also, he did it at just the right time. You remember several times in Jesus Christ's life as he was ministering, he would say to the people, mine hour has not yet come. What he was saying was, it's not yet, not yet, not quite ready yet. He did exactly what the father told him to do. He did exactly how the father wanted him to do it in complete obedience to the will and the plan that the father had. And Jesus Christ at the right time endured the suffering of the cross in complete obedience to provide that salvation. What was the when? The when for Jesus Christ was at the right time, at the right time. And the when was handled as a result. By the way, could I say it to you one more time? He did all that for you and me. That's why he did it. There was no other reason on earth for Jesus Christ to die except for your soul and for my soul. Uh, Back in the garden, man lost fellowship with the father with the sin that came. And God has always wanted fellowship with his creation. He has always desired that. And so finally he came. I I say it in, in human terms. He came upon the plan that would work. He had a perfect sacrifice. And when Jesus Christ died, he pulled that sin out of the equation. And now there was a clear path to the father as a result. That's because he was obedient, because he did what he was called to do. And because of that, you and I can be saved today. Salvation is settled forever when we trust Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, just a few pages over. Because you see, I gave you the principle, uh, preparation must come before there's obedience. Obedience follows preparation. And so I want you to see Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. A very interesting verse that we have here in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 5, 8, speaking of Jesus Christ, now it says this, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Fascinating. Here you have uh, Jesus Christ responding to God's call, and he prepares himself for that. And even Jesus Christ in his humanity went through that time of preparation. He was called to be prepared before he went to the cross. That was his final calling. He had to face that final suffering in obedience. He had to be prepared for that. So in the years prior to his, in his ministry, prior to the cross, he learned how to be obedient. At 12 years old, he's ministering in the temple. His parents come looking for him, not knowing where he was, and they find him, and they say, Son, come on home, and he returns home with them. The Son of God, obedient to earthly parents. As a young adult, he worked as a carpenter with Joseph, his, his earthly father. The son of God, the creator of all things, working at a carpenter shop, building things for other people. When he began his ministry, he was ridiculed and despised and rejected by members of his own community and by those of his own country. Every time he spoke, there was somebody there to attack him and ridicule every word that he said. And yet he did exactly what God called him to do without complaint and without protest. He never quit. He never gave up. Through all the years prior to the cross, he did what he was supposed to do with the right attitude and at the right time. And as Jesus Christ suffered those 33 years as a human in his humanity, he was learning obedience for the final work that God would call him to do. He was preparing himself for the final calling that God would place upon him. And when the cross came and when Calvary was in view, Jesus Christ took that road to that cross obediently. Why? Because he was prepared. He already prepared himself to be obedient when the suffering of the cross came. And he faced it, and he completed it, and there was great victory, and there was great rejoicing. Brother John mentioned it this morning, the three greatest words in Scripture, Jesus Christ speaking from the cross, it is finished. It's finished. The work of salvation is done. Nothing more mankind needs to do. All he did at all, all you do is obey what he's done for you, and salvation is settled. So there's the principle of Jesus Christ, the son of God in his humanity, being obedient in learning suffering, suffering rather, and learning to be obedient through his preparation. And he completed the job as a result. So the same principle in David's life is the same principle in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believer, listen to me. Can I encourage you? Learn to be obedient in the small things. Don't look for the big stuff. Just learn to be obedient in the day-to-day things that God calls you to do. Just learn to be obedient in the little things, in the small things, in the things that seem insignificant and nobody else would notice. Just learn to be obedient there. The everyday things, the walk of life things. And learn to do what God has called you to do with the right heart attitude and at the right time learn the why and the when of obedience. I will tell you this morning, I've been saved for 59 years. One of the greatest things about being God's child, and there are many, many great things about being God's child. One of the greatest things about being God's child is that he wants to use me in his work. He wants to use me. I don't get that. I don't see myself as anywhere near usable. He wants to use me. And by the way, if you're saved this morning, he wants to use you. You say, I got nothing to offer. Don't sell yourself short. God wants to use you this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, God's already got a call upon you. God has something specific he wants you to do. And you'll never be happy and you'll never be satisfied until you find that thing and do it. And do it. Don't run from it. You'll never be happy that way. Do it. Do it. So he has a great work. He has a great plan. He has a great purpose. He has a purpose that no unsaved person will ever be able to experience. And to be specific, God has this work for you and he has it for you today. And everything that occurs in your life up to the time where God uses you in that work is preparation, getting you ready for it. God prepares you so that when the work comes, you'll be able to obey like God wants you to obey, be able to face the call and obey the call just like you're supposed to because you've learned how to do it. And I will guarantee you on the basis of the word of God and in the experience of my own life, if you'll do what God calls you to do and follow through on that plan, there will be rejoicing and there will be victory. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Not because I say it, because the book says it. <laughs> God said it, and he'll provide that to you. So, what I'd like you to do this morning, the time we have left, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to look at what every believer must do if they want to be prepared to obey. I want to look at how a believer can be ready to obey when God calls, how they can do the why and the when of that call and settle it and do exactly what God wants them to do. Because in the preparation, there are two factors in the lives of David and our Lord that showed their obedience and made them obedient to the big call God had for them. If these two factors are your life this morning, you'll be prepared when God calls you to do what he wants you to do. Go back to 1 Samuel now, if you would. I want to read these verses to you again. I want to refresh your memory on what happened in Genesis 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 15. 1 Samuel 17, verse 15. It says, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the hosts were going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. Now, turn, if you would, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. There is David's preparation. David's obedience. Now I want you to see uh, what Jesus Christ did. tells us in John chapter 15 when you get to look at verse 10. Very short verse, but I want you to see it this morning so you don't miss the impact. John chapter 15, look at verse 10. And notice what the Bible says here. Jesus Christ says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Here is the first factor in the life of David, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, that brought about their obedience. They were both completely obedient to the commands of their fathers. Obedient to the commands of their fathers. Yeah. David obeyed when Jesse sent him with the food for his brethren. Jesus Christ, it says, obeyed every command that God gave him as he conducted his ministry on earth. And because they obeyed, because they obeyed the fathers in the small daily things of life, they were prepared for the larger work that God had for them when that time came. Here's what I learned from that. I learn that if I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if I'm going to be obedient in the larger call that God has for me, it starts by being obedient to the daily commands of the Father that he gives to me. Where are those commands found? You've got a book before you that's full of them. You've got a book before you that is full of God's commands. God's word contains the commands of God. Every command, every principle that God wants you to follow and be obedient to is found written in the pages of a a book that a 12-year-old kid can understand. And based on that, I want to give you the picture of the normal Christian life. Here's how the normal Christian life goes as it pertains to the commands that are found in the Word of God. Every day, the normal, everyday Christian sits down and spends time reading the Word of God. He does it systematically. He or she does it regularly. He or she does it consistently. And that's not just what the pastor does. That's just not what the evangelist does or the Bible teacher does. That's what every normal believer does. And they do, don't they do do it only when they have the time. They do it to make time. They make time to do it. They don't do it only when nothing else is, is in the way. They Everything else is secondary to doing that. They don't do it only if nothing good is on TV. They turn off the TV, horror of horrors, and they read the Word of God instead. And when the normal Christian reads the Word of God, they don't just read it for a few minutes and then put it down. They don't flip it open and put their finger on a verse and read that verse and close the book. They don't open some little devotional and read that little devotional and consider themselves done with their Bible study. No, that's not how the Bible tells us. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us they study it. Joshua one eight tells us they meditate upon it. Psalm 119.11 tells us they memorize it. Those are things that a normal Christian does, just a normal, average, everyday Christian, not the super Christian, the normal Christian. We're talking about believers like you and me. Now, if that isn't enough, let me take it one step further. Psalm 119:9 says this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? That means they, if they read a command of the Word of God or they see a principle in the Word of God that gives them instruction on how they are to live or conduct themselves, they take heed to that. In other words, they listen and they obey it. They take that principle and they make it part of their conduct. They take that command and they follow it and they never stop following it. And they follow it happily because they know that obeying their father pleases him and they have they want to please their father. That's the why of following God's commands. And the normal Christian also follows that command immediately. Yeah. You don't pray about it. Don't wait for God's leading on it. If there's a command of the word of God, you just follow the command because there's nothing else to do. You can pray about it from now until you pass away. And the command's not going to change. It's going to be the same command. So immediately follow that command. God is intensely interested with the when of our obedience. I've talked to believers about their Christian walk. And they'll say to me, well, I'm a Christian. I just don't take it as seriously as you do. And my internal response is to say, oh, I see you're abnormal. (laughs) I've talked to other Christians who will say, I know what God wants me to do, whether it's in a relationship or a job situation in their spiritual walk somewhere. They say, I know what God wants me to do. I'm just having a hard time doing it. And internally, I say to myself, I see you're an abnormal Christian. That's what abnormal Christians do. If a believer is a normal Christian, if they know what God wants them to do, how he wants them to respect, react or respond to something and they choose not to do it, they're abnormal. That's not a normal Christian walk. That's abnormal, according to the word of God. And one or two things is going on if a believer does that. Either they have so allowed the flesh to control their lives that obedience to God is out of the question. Or they are so influenced by other believers and their abnormal behavior that they allow the lack of obedience of other Christians to influence how they conduct their Christian walk. And neither of those things are excuses for disobedience. <laughs> There's a very simple verse in Scripture that clears all this up for you. I'm going to read it to you. Very, very simple. Here it is. James 4:17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Clears it all up. If you know what to do and you choose not to do it, it's sin. Bottom line. Sabaka didn't say that. The word of God said that. If a believer reads a command in the word of God and chooses not to follow it, that is sin. And obedience in the life of a normal Christian is a natural response to a command. The normal Christian reads a command and they follow it because of their love for Jesus Christ. And they follow it as soon as they read the command. Don't give a moment's prayer to it. Follow it. Here's the second factor. The first one is to follow the commands of God. Here's the second one. I want to read you Hebrews 5, 8 again. It says, though he were a son, yet he learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Suffered. That horrible word, suffered. As you've already noted, in preparation for the cross, Jesus Christ lived a life of suffering. If you read through the life of, of David in First and Second Samuel, as I said, and just take note of all the trials and the sufferings that David went through, you'll be amazed at what he had to go through in his walk. And humanly speaking, now, I believe the reason that David and our Lord were able to accomplish what they accomplished is because before facing their greatest trial, they had been schooled in the school of obedience, of suffering, rather. They had been schooled in the school of suffering. They were prepared to obey God no matter what the cost, because they had already learned to pay the price or learned to pay the price. We avoid doing that, don't we? I don't want to pay the price. Well, if you want to be obedient, you've got to be prepared. And one way God prepares you is through suffering, learning how to pay the price. And so when Jesus Christ and David were called upon to do their greatest work, which involved their greatest risk, they obeyed with the right heart attitude and they obeyed immediately. And here's what I find in church history. I find in church history that every great hero of the faith, every believer who did extraordinary things for God, went through tremendous suffering and hardship prior to that. I think it's almost without, without exception. Here's how David described his life in Psalm 119, verse 71. He said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. It's good that I've been afflicted, David says. It's good that I went through that suffering, because going through that suffering, I learned statutes. David says, before God put me through what he put me through, I knew God's statutes. I had read them. I understood them. But after the affliction, I learned them. I learned them. Great difference there, folks. A great, great difference. He says, after it, I learned them. During the affliction, David had to apply what he knew. He had to trust those commands that prior to the affliction, he had an intellectual understanding of. Believe or listen to me. There's a difference between knowing and learning, knowing and learning. In the affliction, David went to school and he found that the best way for God's children to live is by obeying God's statutes. David learned submission, submission. David learned to let go of control. David learned hit God's way was best. And he came out of that affliction, having learned obedience. And after that time, he could respond to any call God put upon him, even to the point of killing a giant with a rock. Because no matter what he faced, he simply applied the principles that God gave to him and obeyed those principles that he learned during the time of the affliction. Here's what Peter says about Jesus Christ, First Peter 2.21. For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Do you want to be obedient like Jesus Christ was? If you want to follow his steps, you follow steps in submission. You want to do great work for him? Accept and endure and embrace suffering. Totally contrary to what your flesh wants to do. That's why some people don't get saved. They don't want to pay the price here. They of the fact there's a glory waiting for them up there. They don't want to pay the price right now. And so they refuse Jesus Christ as a result. What a foolish choice to make. Amen. To throw away 70 years as the base for all of eternity. Amen. And by the way, that suffering brings you closer to him. Makes you more usable to him. Makes you more of a servant for him. Amen. Amen. Obedience comes as believers are put into situations where the only way to look is up. And I would challenge you. Put yourself in that situation. Don't just let it happen. Make the choice. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take this step. And when I take this step, I have no idea if there's a cliff there or another step. I'm just going to take the step and let him take care of it. I will guarantee you, you'll learn more in that one experience than you'll learn in all the church you'll ever go to. (laughs) I'm glad you're here this morning. Don't, Don't take that the wrong way. You'll learn more in that one step than God could ever teach you in any other way. As you see him pull you through that fiery trial, you realize that obedience to him is the only way for a believer to live. And when you learn that lesson, you are completely and fully committed to him. Then you are ready to complete the call that God has for you to complete. That's when you learn the why. That's when you learn the when. Back in the 19th century, there was a pastor by the name of George Young. He was a country preacher. He traveled from place to place preaching the gospel. After many years of sacrifice, he and his wife were, uh, were able to save up enough money to build a home for their young, for their, of their own. And since Pastor Young was also a carpenter as well as a preacher, he built his home himself. After the home was built, they continued their ministry of traveling and sharing the good news. During one of those trips, disaster struck. Some thugs who were opposed to Pastor Young's ministry went to that house and set that house on fire while they were preaching. And when they came back, All they found was a pile of ashes. All their earthly possessions were destroyed. As Pastor Young looked at that rubble of what was once his possessions, he remembered the priceless things that fire cannot destroy. In his suffering, he could see God's leading. And because of that trial, he recommitted himself to complete obedience to the plan of God. And he wrote this song. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads His dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in darkest of night, God leads His dear children along. Through sorrow, those sorrows that befall us and evils oppose, God leads His dear children along. Through grace we can conquer, defeat all our foes. God leads His dear children along. Away from the mire, away from the clay. God leads His dear children along, away up in glory, eternity's day. God leads His dear children along. You can know the chorus singing with me. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song. In the night season and all the day long, can you hear his submission, his willingness to obey? That obedience came as he lost everything that was important to him materially. And what he learned is what every person must learn if they're going to gain God's favor and do God's work. No matter what we think, no matter what others say, no matter what it costs, obedience to God is the only right response. Wherever a person is at spiritually, when they submit themselves to the idea that God's plan and God's calling are best, that what he has laid out is exactly what is right for them, it is then that God can do his best work through them. And it's then that they, he can do his work through them in ways they never thought possible. And they accept what is true, and they learn to be obedient. And through all that, God's work is done, and God is glorified. Amen. This morning, we have nine believers who are taking that first step of obedience. And for every believer, this first step of obedience must become a lifestyle, a lifestyle of obedience if we want to see but God do great things in our lives. If you're not saved here this morning, your first step of obedience is to obey the gospel. Amen. Obey the gospel. Recognize that you're a sinner. Confess that sin to God. Ask him to save you through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. And that decision, decision is going to open up a life for you that you never thought possible. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Heads about, eyes closed if you would.